you know, cheaper isn't always necessary, uh, necessarily the right answer. Adding value is always the right answer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? So before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to thank all of you guys so, so much for listening for the past 99 episodes. It has been absolutely breathtaking to be at 100 episodes already. This has easily been one of the most enjoyable projects that I've ever worked on, and I'm beyond thankful for everything. (laughs) It has been an extremely fun two years of doing the show so far, and I really just can't wait to keep bringing people on and and having a ton of fun. Uh, So this week, we have a very special guest on the show again. So Brian is an incredibly inspiring investor um, and owner of Bel Air Property Management. So we interviewed him in early 2020 for a three-part episode series. And it was super cool to kind of catch up with him again two years later, you know, see where he was to, you know, taking like crazy action to where he is now. And yeah, you know, just kind of like his vision for the future. Um, We had an absolutely awesome discussion. You guys are going to love it. Um, Before we get into this episode, would you guys mind please leaving a rating and a review down below? I know you hear it all the time, but I do definitely always love hearing your guys' thoughts on, you know, how I can make things better, things to change. It it means a lot to me. Again, I, I wanted to thank you guys so, so much. And here's to a very long time of the creating wealth podcast (laughs) let's jump right into the episode what's up everybody i want to welcome you to the hundredth episode of the creating wealth podcast my name is brian lucier of bhb group and bel air property management and it is my pleasure as the hundredth interviewer interviewee to introduce to you the man, the driving force behind this platform, the man behind the curtain, no one else but my and Mr. Kyle Curtin. Aww. Take it away, Kyle. Thank you so much, Brian. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> Guys, we were just talking about it a couple minutes ago. Brian was telling me, he's like, oh, you know, for episode 100, like I would love to do your intro. I'm like, go nuts, man. Anything you want to do. Super excited to jump in here, guys. We just hit triple digits. Super excited, and I'm 100% blessed to uh, to be able to spend it with with Mr. Brian here. <laughs> so, my friend, let's definitely you know kind of jump in. I, I, I'm on. <laughs> yes. So the last episode sure. was a very long time ago. Your hundredth guest. <laughs> yes. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so the last episode was a three-part episode brian is the the one person on the podcast to date that has had a three-part episode and has come on twice so very um very excited uh to have him here but yeah you know like it's definitely been a while you know since we had that last episode or last episodes so um let's jump into your story man you know i remember the last time we were just talking about it a minute ago 
um, you know, you guys were just going down to Aruba and, you know, just starting to kind of begin that next adventure in your life. So I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to kind of hear all about it since then. Thank you. Thank you. So we've been down here on Eagle Beach for about a year and a half now. And in that time, Bel Air has been booming. I think the last time we talked, I had a goal of hitting 13 units a month. Uh, we have passed the 300 mark. We actually weeded and uh, the end result is we have not really seen a dip in our revenue. So we're managing a little less, we're managing a fewer more clients and our numbers are still right where they should be. We've just hired Team Belair. We've got Cindy, Mike, Eddie, Stacy, Julie, Maria, Marina, Brian, and myself, Brian, and I can't forget Yomi. We'd be lost without her, our team mascot. But uh they're they're um they're making it work. We've now got Bel Air East, Bel Air West, and now in Aruba we're Bel Air South. Uh, my, my life as, as it is right now is a series of one-way plane tickets where I'll work with team in Massachusetts, I'll work with the team in California, and then we can be the ringleaders down here, kind of monitoring the whole show. We're using our software, all the uh, Google apps, the um, Slack, Dropbox, we're just totally in touch with each other. I probably talk to my team leader four or five times a day, much to her chagrin, but um, yeah. So Bel Air has been taking care of itself. And they always say in a business, you've reached a plateau when your business will run without you. So we are there right now, which has opened up the door for Hanju and I uh, we've always had BHB Group. That's a business, a company that you probably don't know about. But that's our holding company. That's how we buy our uh, all of our assets. And we're currently working with brokers in six different locations right now in emerging markets. We're in Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Las Vegas, Texas, and Arizona. Wow. So we're, yeah. It's it's been exciting. I mean, being able to have somebody else drive the bus, I'm able to jump on another bus. So we've been into those markets. We've been doing research. We started with the whole mainland. Now I call it <laughs> the upper 48 states, and we were just we we're just boiling down our criteria. We're looking for job growth, population growth, diverse economics as far as jobs and uh, different industries there. Uh, we like areas that are strong with education, strong with medical. And uh, we added a new ripple to our criteria. We want to be in landlord-friendly states. Uh, my first 20 years of investing, we've been part of the country. Massachusetts and California. So we've definitely learned the ropes. We've got our scars, we figured out the hard part. So moving into some of these other markets right now have been great. Um, you hear about people putting together syndication deals. 
And I always see the same thing happen again and again and again. You'll have this couple or a group of partners go to some syndication boot camp or something like that. And then they run out and find a deal and then say, oh, crap, we're not funded. And then they break all kinds of SEC regulations and rules, trying to drum up money, talking to people that they never should be talking to, uh, presenting deals and offers that they never should be presenting. So I've always been contrarian in how we've set up and started businesses. Uh, this is no different. Before we even got into these markets, we had secured plenty of relationships with investors and backers. Uh, we've got a KP, that's a key principal on our team right now with a net worth of 15 million. Uh, I was on the phone with some of our other investors today. And here's the funny thing. I know that I've talked to you about this before. Put yourself where affluent people are. Well, Bel Air Property Management has been great because we're just in the loop of all these other investors and people who want to invest and a lot of multimillionaires who are buying properties already. And if, if we prove our salt and do what we're supposed to do, we've had so many of our clients just reach out to us saying, you know, look, you know, we'd like to partner with you. Do you have any deals? And, um, you know, we've been hearing this for the past couple of years and we've been slow to open that conversation, but seeing where the market is gone right now, um, we've ridden out probably one and a half market cycles. So I see what's coming. And there's definitely gonna be opportunities out there. Funding in place, we've got our, we've got the whole management team propped up and pulled together right now. So that's always the hard part when you want to go into institutional funding to prove that you could pull this down. But we've got that. We've got the funding in place. We've got the key team members in place. So now we're just looking for the right deals. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at so many deals. We're underwriting so many deals. Uh, in Marina. They are part of Bel Air South. Uh, they're two sisters who've been helping us out with a lot of the different aspects of the business. They started on the Bel Air side of the coin and now they're transitioning over to the BHB and they're hungry to learn and grow and we're more than happy to help them get to where they want to be. So they're doing what they need to do to help us move along and then all of Team Bel Air is kind of rowing the boat in the same direction which we really needed. We've got the maintenance team all covered. We're actually, Andrew and I were looking today, looking at the numbers. We just did payroll today and the guys are hitting enough overtime where it may be time to add another guy. So we're always watching the numbers. Uh, growth is something we always want to do. And then meeting that growth with the right amount of team and resources. So we never want our resources to get ahead of where our our is and uh, we're hitting the point right now where the machine is running um, we're probably easing off the gas pedal to get through winter right now uh, you would not believe what my screens looked like earlier just going through all the snowplow bids <laughs> but uh, yeah it, it's that time of the year most wonderful time of the year getting all the snowplow bids up and running 
So yeah, it's a very interesting time for us right now. Uh, the last 20 years have been great. We have created wealth for our family. So Hanju and I can live this lifestyle. We can be on the beach. We can you know, have a healthier lifestyle. You'll see in the other videos, I've probably lost about 80 pounds <laughs> yeah. because I'm out, I'm active. It's, a, it's an active lifestyle. Yeah, uh, we're eating better, eating healthier. We're making righter decisions. Um, we're more active. Um, I just got off a stint of traveling. We had to go to LA, to Massachusetts, to New York, to Massachusetts. And we just got back here in Aruba a couple of days ago. I did put on 10 pounds since I've been back. I've already lost four pounds. But the two weeks before I left, uh, one week I had walked 60 miles in one week. And then the following week, 65 miles. So if I just can't be more thankful that real estate buy and hold has given us the well to this aisle, a happier life and a full life. So here we are, uh, we're ramping up. We're looking at deals. The underwriting is happening. We've got plenty of people in the, in the, uh, behind the curtains, folks like yourself <laughs> who are just waiting for us to present something that works. And we're following all of our metrics. We're doing our due diligence and we want to make sure any deal that we present to our investors, we're going to invest in that deal as well. Uh, my son coined this phrase decades ago, dad, this isn't skin in the game. This is blood in the game. Uh, and he's right. Right. So we're, we're putting our money in. We're, we're, we're going to be investing right there dollar for dollar with all of our LPs. So that's kind of where we are today. Wow. I love your story so much, Brian. Like there's so much I want to dig into in there, man. Like starting off with like, all right, so let's just jump in. Like, let's just go nuts. So going to brand new markets that, you know, you guys have never really invested in for yet. What was kind of like the driving factor, you know, to kind of want to go to, to some of these outside markets and, you know, kind of venture out a little bit? Well, uh, just to back that up a little bit, uh, some 10, 15 years ago, we were in a syndication in um, Green Tree, Texas. It's about 240 units. And that one closed out about five years ago. So that was pretty good. You know, we, we've been there, we've done that. Um, so these new markets that we're looking at now, uh, markets have changed. So where we were buying then, you know, we had to just dust off the matrix and start from scratch because markets change all over the place. So this is something that we've been doing for the past 20 years. We've always been looking at alternative markets as well as investing in our backyard. It made sense when it was just my wife and myself to buy in our backyard. It was easier. We could just pull down these bread and butter. is a lot more due diligence. It's a higher end game. Uh, the first payment's got to be made to the mortgage. The next payment's got to be made to the investors. All of my people in the deal got to get paid before I see a penny. So it, it's a higher, it's a higher game. It's a higher level. Um, 
Wow. Did I answer your question? Yeah, a hundred percent. I didn't know that, man. I, I figured, um, you know, you guys so, like just kind of invested, you know, in like, like central mass, like, like the whole time, you know, and, um, maybe like just kind of stuck there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, depending on who's sitting at the table, it's a different conversation. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so, when we're getting those calls from our marketing leads from Google drive and all that, and people are reading the reviews from Bel Air property management. They're contacting me as a property manager for their backyard properties. And that's, that's where I am. It wouldn't make sense for me to say, Oh, by the way, have you ever thought of a syndication? Cause that's not the appropriate way to introduce someone to that business. Yeah. Now, after time, our clients who've been with us three, four, five, six, seven years, now we have that relationship. We've had those conversations and we probably got about eight to 10 of our clients, maybe about 10 to 12% of our client base who are, are waiting. was the first conversation. Your first conversation as a syndicator should not be, hey, I'm syndicating deals. Do you want to come in? <laughs> that deal might not be right for you. That risk might not be right for you. It might not be the right time. Uh, are you a credit investor? Are you a sophisticated investor? There's way too many things. I mean, I've, I've read so many stories, listened to so many podcasts where people will vet each other for years before even having that conversation yeah I, um say, yeah great we love what you're doing we're going to watch you for the next two years and then we're going to come in yeah you know there's all those bubbles. yeah clients you have a higher responsibility than collecting rent at a, at a tribe. Yeah. All yours, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just uh, jumping in and out a little bit there. But yeah, no, I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense, man. And like, it's, it's extremely interesting, you know, like to kind of hear, um, you know, about like people that may want to do a deal like this on the GP side, you know, kind of, take quite quite some time you know to actually vet each other and you know not just like a you know week like oh this guy's kind of cool let's take down 100 units together and it it makes a whole lot of sense you know i mean to your point like especially with all those additional responsibilities and like you know keeping the investors happy and like making sure everything is is kind of you know going down the path the way it should and yeah no that's that's huge that that makes a lot of sense Yeah, you're not going to win the Super Bowl as a single person. You've got to have the right team in place. You've got to have the right offense, the right defense. You've got to have core personnel to pull down this stuff. And so many of, you know, we've got so many friends doing syndications and deals like this, and it's a reoccurring thing. They they give all the credit to their team. And I totally, that that's a thousand percent. They're saying it right. If they didn't have that team, the the people building relationships, the broker relationships, deal relationships, the money relationships, it just takes so many moving parts 
to do all of that. Uh, That's awesome. I do That's want to revisit one topic that we were talking about. Sure. I grilled you pretty hard on meetups. Yes. If you remember that conversation, uh, I was saying, you know, at the meetups, we all go to the REIs and all that, and we shark the room looking for the people with the money, and everyone's looking for the same person, right? And I was boiling it down and boiling it down and just kept hammering you, you know, like, what are your hobbies? What are your affiliations? Where yeah. do you find those affluent people in your life that have nothing to do with real estate? And you never know. So we moved down here and it was scary as heck. We didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. And we ended up moving into a condo complex where my neighbors have got to have some of the brightest business minds I've ever met. Uh, we've, we're friends with people who bought businesses, sold businesses, have been in real estate longer than I can imagine, done commercial deals, um, all kinds of different real estate and just like just going out to dinner with these people is having a mastermind right at the table. They, they've got so many years of experience. I mean, you know, they say if, if you're the biggest fish in the pool, find a bigger pool mm -hmm. to uh, be the smallest fish. Well, we definitely landed, we, we landed in the right spot. We've got, we've made some really great friends here uh, they're, they're great friends and I'm more than happy to throw ideas off them. And they're our advisors. Uh, we call them our pool of advisors. And yeah, there's a pun in that because, um, at any given time we can go out to the balcony and they'll be hanging around and there's all these business mastermind people. They're having a mastermind in bathing suits. So, um, at any given time, away down there um yeah i i started commuting now that i work here in aruba at the condo i wake up pretty early uh, i walk down to the shell station pick up a few things <laughs> then i'll go out to meet the buoys mm -hmm. and then i'll meet with our pool directors so i walk the beach in the morning pick up some shells i do a little swim out to the buoys and then uh, I could come back and it's a mastermind in the pool. It's, wow. I mean, people pay tens of thousands of dollars to go somewhere to Maui or some island to meet with a bunch of people like this who can mentor you and train you and force you and kick your butt to get to the next level. It's amazing when you can pass each other going in and out of the elevator and uh, we're, we're going out to dinner Friday night with some friends. And I can't wait. I can't wait for the dinner conversation we're going to have. Um, I mentioned on one of the last episodes that so thankful to be on uh, when my daughter-in-law, when she lived with us with my son for a while, my son, my wife, and myself, we've always had real estate dinner conversations. You know, we're talking about deals. We're talking about cash flow. We're talking about markets. Oh, pass the potatoes. And, uh, you know, we could look at our internal rate of investment on this and that and that. Oh, could I have some more sweet curly fries or whatever, right? Need some salt, she's yeah. sitting at the table. <laughs> yeah. she, she's at the table looking at us and who are you people? <laughs> and now she's come full speed and 
you know, I'll, I'll be mentioning some dealer concept with her and she'll start picking it apart and say, well, dad, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, you know, these are just our dinner conversations that we have. Yeah. And now she's at the table and she's in her own right. And she's actually on the acquisitions team for BHB right now. Solid. So we've just redone that. I'm sorry. I said solid. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely a family office. And um, here's another thing you probably didn't know. Uh, I am a third generation real estate investor. My grandfather had property. My father was a builder. The only thing my father didn't have in his tool belt was property management skills. So growing up, I've always been around real estate. My wife, she's third generation. Her grandparents owned real estate in Korea. Uh, my father-in-law, mother-in-law, they owned commercial buildings. They owned real estate. They were buying land in Gangnam before Gangnam style was even a thing. <laughs> uh, they were buying in that area when it was just farmland. And now it's like some of the hottest real estate in South Korea. Wow. So she grew up around all this. Stuff. I grew up around all this stuff. Now our kids are like third, fourth generation real estate investors. My grandchildren are going to be fifth generation real estate investors. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons we've dusted off to get back in and do all this. I mean, with Bel Air and BHB, my wife and I, we created enough wealth to take care of us until they put us in a box. We're all set. But now we want to create generational wealth for our kids, for our grandchildren, for our grandchildren's grandchildren. And we want to enrich the lives of the other investors that we're doing these deals with. We can all raise on the harbor together. And um, it, it's exciting being able to create generational wealth for us, for our team members, for our investors, and to enrich the lives of the families who are gonna live in these buildings. Cause that's always been our number one core, families first. And um, it, it's, it's been very rewarding to be in multifamily and there's nothing else I would rather do. And, and um, I just can't wait to see what tomorrow brings. That's absolutely incredible, man. That's that's incredibly heartwarming, you know. And I remember I remember one story distinctly, Brian. And and we were talking about it a couple of days ago on on the phone about one of the stories that you told on one of the last episodes about um you know and like there was a, a problem in in one of your tenants' units and I forget I forget exactly a hundred percent the context, but there might have been like a leaky pipe or something like that. And the first thing that you did was um you know move them to a hotel room like order them pizzas like checking in on them like making sure like everything's good and they're well taken care of and like <laughs> I, I remember the story because i tell it sometimes man because it literally it's it's one of those things that like you know has really stuck with me you know what i mean and like just something that's always kind of there like oh you know like that's you know always remember you know, why you're in this and, you know, everybody just genuinely needs to be loved and cared for at the end of the day. And, you know, it, it can work out very well. And <laughs> I remember, man, the, um, you were telling me, you know, once you did that, it was, uh, like the woman's husband, right? Like, wasn't he like getting up in your face and he was like, Oh, like, why are you doing this to, you know, like my wife and the family. 
and he's, you're like well like you guys should just be cared for like you need to be cared for you know like like we care you know and like it's like you deserve it and he was all like <laughs> but it's well, it's so do real you remember man. exactly what i said to him uh that's, that's i remember pretty- exactly what gotcha he was he was forcing the issue forcing the issue and i finally just said to him I says look my lord and savior jesus christ died for you mm-hmm. how can i not do this yeah i you in a hotel room it's not I, I, i'm not going to be put on a cross over this i'm just <laughs> for me it was the right thing to do and it exactly. wasn't it's was nothing i had to really think about yeah um i wasn't going to have them sleeping in their car that night they had kids yeah, it was a couple hundred bucks. Big deal. Uh, do the right thing. You know, I told them pack their swimsuits, enjoy the pool at the at the hotel. Yeah. You know, another day we had the sewer line fixed and they were back in their home. They couldn't believe my response and why I said that. But it's like, no, it's it's pretty much that simple. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think through this. Yeah. And that's that's something that I think about often, man. And definitely is. um definitely is a, a core value that I'm really trying to instill, you know, as, as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. Just stay true to yourself. If you have a baseline, if you have a moral code, then just lock that in. Of course. Uh, um, you know, th- there are just times in any given day where you have to make some you know we'll we'll figure it out we'll work it out if we got to put them in a hotel room or we got to hire a plumber electrician baker candlestick maker whatever it is Properties are easy because yep. you can look at it, you can figure it out, and you can fix it. Keeping the relationship solid, that's the hard part. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, man. I remember, um, you know, the the adage that's, that's thrown around sometimes. I forget exactly who said it. It, it might have been like Warren Buffett or, you know, somebody like that, that I think it was like, it takes like 20 years to to build a reputation, but like five seconds to destroy it. Like something like that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's, um, that's so true. It just, it just takes one cut corner that will bring down the whole house of cards yeah, and yeah. Uh, you, you'll get found out. I, I know that we had that conversation before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you always do the right thing, that'll follow you. And you can continue to grow and prosper and provide opportunities and add value to other people's businesses. But as soon as it becomes adversarial, like I'm going to win and you're going to lose, there's only so many more games you can play. And people just won't want to sit at the table with you because they know there's a high probability risk of losing doing a deal with you. And that just doesn't work. It's not sustainable. Totally. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I really love about real estate, man, is like just that the constant possibility of, you know, a win-win like across the board. And it's, it really is a beautiful thing, you know? And, and like you were mentioning earlier, you know, with, with doing, 
um orchestrating you know some of like the the bigger syndication deals like you know it can certainly be a win for you guys you know general partners limited partners you know the um the tenants themselves and like like everybody in this whole entire thing you know can can win right and it's it's such a beautiful thing and it's it's something that i i definitely you know never get over because it's just like i haven't really found anything else like this <laughs> you know or like everybody can um can give and and also receive at the same time as well so one of the ways that that works can make the tenant's life better um when, when you buy a larger property, or even if it's a three-family or a single-family house or any type of real estate investment, you're looking for some type of value add where you can either cut the expenses or raise the rents or some type of thing with a trajectory as it goes out in time is the tenants, whether they be commercial or residential, are paying down your premium while that spread and equity is growing over time. Your payments are going down, the rents are going up, and if your expenses are going up on top of that, just operating the property efficiently is a value add. Now, whether it's uh, three family, four family, six, or 150 units, there's the same type of strategies that you can apply to add value um, cost segregation. Okay. Everybody hears about this. What does it mean? I'm not going to, I mean, we could have a whole discussion on that, but I'm just going to hit the high points. Uh, in either five, seven or 15 years, you can take 27 and a half years of depreciation off on your taxes. So that's a huge way to reduce your expense. And at the same time, if you have a five or a 10% trajectory of rental increase, you've lowered your expenses, you've raised your income, okay? Now, what does that do to the value of a property, right? Um, if you're doing a 10 cap rate, if you've increased revenue $10,000, you've increased the value $100,000, okay? So that, that's a huge number. And that's on a three family. If, if you did a cost segregation on a larger property, you operated it properly, found some ancillary businesses that you can add to it, dog park, um, vending machines and laundry room, whatever, something like that, uh, extra fees or parking fees or you know, not, not so much to be a nuisance, but uh, other ways to generate revenue. If you're creating that spread on that 10 cap, you've increased the value of your property 10 times. So on a larger deal, if you've increased 200,000, that's $2 million that you've increased to the value of the property. Now, now, there's a lot of moving parts here, right? There's not just one thing that you can do as a strategy, but it's a combination of this plus that multiplied by this, um, that increased the value of that property $2 million. So what does that look like if you went in and did a cash out refi? That's mm -hmm. outrageous yeah. <laughs> because you don't pay taxes on the cash out refi. 
So you've done all these small little tweaks and calculations to get to a pretty good number that multiplies out to the value of the property. You do a cash out, all your investors are thrilled because this is frosting and ice cream and cherries on top of their investment that they're getting just for being in the deal. Now, yeah, you're going to cash out. Your numbers are going to shift and vary a little bit, but that's a nice chunk of change. I mean, if you have $2 million to split up amongst your investors, your LPs are going to be thrilled. Mm -hmm. And has it really cost a lot? Maybe, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks to get to that point. It depends on what you had to do. I mean, adding a vending machine, if you bought a bus, if it were an elderly, um, an elderly um, senior type of development, mm -hmm. uh, what do they need? They need a van or something to help them go grocery shopping. So you buy a $30,000, $40,000 van, and that helps you increase the rents across the board. I mean, you know, it looks like a big number. Oh, we're going to spend 30, 40 grand. But if you've increased the value of the property, $300,000, that's like 10% no brainer. what you've increased the value. Yeah. The whole point is to look at this plus this multiplied by that as a value add. Uh, some people just come in with the blinders on saying, well, we're going to cut all of our expenses. We're only going to mow the lawn once a month and we're going to raise the rent 200, 300 bucks. You may have just hurt yourself. You know, you have to maybe chop out that landscaper to find a better landscaper who will mow two or maybe three times a month. Someone will do it cheaper um, and give you good quality. Yeah. You know, cheaper isn't always necessary uh, necessarily the right answer. Adding value is always the right answer. Because if you add value to the property, that's going to come out in the numbers on the long term. And um, some of these entities, sometimes you're a property that you only want to hold for five to seven years and be out. So the cost segregation makes it a great strategy. And you can refi halfway through that and then sell it and double dip that ice cream cone twice. Uh, the first time is going to be no capital gains. So if you actually did that refi before selling it, you could really, really reduce the capital gains your investor is going to see after the fact. They could take a lot of meat off of the bone and then have less of a tax burden when you do sell it. Wow. So yeah, there's, there's so many combinations. Yeah, it's, it's like the other day, <laughs> um, we were so bummed. We were in Massachusetts. We wanted to go surprise. <laughs> that had generational ramifications. I mean, I can't wait for my grandchildren to get 18 years old so I can put that strategy into use. Mm -hmm. So I've been going blah, blah, blah here a lot, but um, <laughs> I wanted to do this. this. This is your hundredth episode, Kyle. It is. You've got to have some highlights and features of some of your past guests. I mean, I went through your roster looking at some of your podcasts, it's like, oh yeah, I know him. I've done work with him, you know, had many conversations with him. You, you've had some rock stars Aww. on your platform here. Um, you, you've spoken to all kinds of really high net worth people. What are some of the 
that you've been able to pull away now here at 100 episodes? Man, like, it's hard for me to jump in because, like, there's so many, you know what I mean? Like, usually, like, right after I do an episode, like, my head's going a million miles a minute. Like, I have the high of a lifetime, and, like, I'm already trying to figure out, like, how certain things can be applied. And it, it's a lot of fun, man, you know, because, like, I've I've always... um enjoyed hearing any story at all right like whether you're still looking for your first building or your first flip or you know you're buying 100 units at a time you know I, I feel like everybody has something to give and you know everybody's got a story at the end of the day you know and it just it's it's so exciting and like I've I've gotten so much out of the podcast myself personally but, you know, the the main thing for me has always been, you know, just to try to give as much value as possible, um, you know, like here, like the the good times, the bad times with guests and everything. And like, you know, they're kind of like rise to rise to where they are and like maybe things they would have did differently. And it's um it's been a lot of fun, you know, and it's um. Yeah, I just I love to hear the stories, man. I've I've gotten so many like life takeaways and like, you know, it just, you know, just encouragement, you know, because it's it can definitely be a definitely be a challenge sometimes to um, you know, when things aren't really going your way, but eventually they will go your way, you know, as long as you keep pushing and everything and you know, just keep putting yourself out there, keep doing your thing, you know, keep always networking, just kind of giving as much as you can and, um, and keep it on the journey, you know? It's, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, I've gone through, and I've been listening to the podcast. I, I knew I was going to ask you <laughs> this question so i went through some of your podcasts leanne young she had a great one the audacity to dream yes. and she meets with her team members on wednesdays and they that, that's like a weekly mastermind right mm -hmm. and they hold each other accountable they they put their goals on mm -hmm. the table and they they say they'll hold each other accountable and not hitting it have to do to hit it and have that clear crystal vision of where they're going. I mean, she, I think said she wanted to be at a million dollars in revenue by 2025. Right. Yeah. And then you had Nick Alrud on there. Nick's, <laughs> Nick's blown me away since I, I first met him from where he is now, where he was when I first met him. And what does he always say? Shut up and do it, right? <laughs> He's just laser focused. So many of the interviewers, they just had that vision, that crystal clarity of what they wanted, where they were going. They had their criteria locked in, their buy box. They knew exactly what they wanted. And some of them are operating with several different buy boxes because they're running so many different businesses. Yeah. But they all have that plan. They all have that goal and mission. So yeah, we've got our own thing going on, but I've seen over and over and over in, in your interviews, no one's just saying, well, you know, I threw some spaghetti on the wall to see if it sticked <laughs> and hey, we got lucky. No, they, they, you, you're at a hundred podcasts of very intentional investors, 
who saw what they wanted, had a laser focus, targeted right in, and just went after it. Damn all the torpedoes made it happen. Thank you so much, Brian. And honestly, like kind of thinking about yeah. it, I'd say it it definitely um like a, a main focus, you know, from most of the guests that come on probably would be intention, you know, and intention and vision, you know, and just kind of believe in that you're able to to get yourself out of that position or, you know, believe that you're able to start, you know, actually working towards that, that master vision that you have. And like, like the amount of people that have come on, um, you know, working like W2 jobs that, that they don't like, and, you know, they're miserable and everything. And have been able to use real estate investing as a way to be able to get out of that and change like the dynamic of their family and their lives and everything. Like that's, that's the stuff that really gets me going is like, it's, it's, it's real, you know? And like, these people are like around us, they're like driving distance to us, Brian. And like, that's, that's something that <laughs> has always, you know, really, um really resonated with me. Like, this real estate thing, guys, it's, it's a real thing. I promise, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, and well, not, not all of us are with in driving distance anymore. So um, <laughs> yeah. some of us are within boat distance, plane distance, Pelican distance. So I, I, <laughs> Pelicans. Yeah. So I think I'm setting a record here for being uh, your first um, international call. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yep. You got lots wow, of that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Your hundredth episode was an international investing call. That, that yeah, happy to have it. Yeah, it, it yeah, just it means, it means a lot, Brian. It it really does, man. <laughs> so, you know, we we're always looking around at what if scenarios, right? Yep. So here we're where we are on Eagle Beach, we've looked around at short-term rentals and all that type of stuff. And being out of the country, it's a little different. I cannot express how blessed and fortunate all of your guests and the people on your platform, all your different um, people you've interviewed, how blessed they are to be in the United States where you can leverage a down payment to take control of a multi-million dollar asset without having to put multi-millions of dollars in. And even that you can create wealth for other people by putting little or no money of your own into the deal. The United States is a wonderful, wonderful place to invest. Uh, we've looked at possibly doing some things down here. And honestly, when the numbers came down and the rubber hit the road, what we would have to invest cash here, we could leverage to millions of dollars in the United States. Really? So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. How is the um, yeah, I, how is like financing down there? Like like loan products? Like what is that kind of? Is it a lot um a lot lower LTV and like what what does that kind of look like? I'm very oh, curious. No. <laughs> Well, uh, your down payment is anywhere from 50 to 60%. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's only like two or three banks that you can use here on the island. And uh, one of them requires you to have a minimum running balance of 50 
to $60,000 a month. Wow. So it's not really conducive. I mean, what, what we know in the United States that you can put a down payment and get institutional funding. My goodness, what a wonderful, wonderful country. Uh, and then when you step outside the borders and look at investing, like where we live here, we, we, we bought this cash. Uh, just looking at what we needed to do to do this is like, no, let, we'll just write a check and we'll be done. Mm -hmm. So we pay our HOAs down here. We enjoy sunsets. We, we have our coffee looking at our, our garden out on the plants. veranda there. Yes. How are the plants doing, my friend? How are the flowers? They survived. Oh, they survived. <laughs> Tomorrow is Thursday. So uh, it's Senior Citizens Day at Fantastic Gardens where we can save 10 to 15% off. Okay. So we're going shopping tomorrow. Um, uh, we, we've got about 40 different plants out there, all tropical plants. And it's wonderful. You know, we'll, we'll get our coffee beans from Colombia. I mean, this sounds so fun, fun, but, you know, it's so nice to have reached a point where we can sit out there in the morning we're overlooking the Caribbean ocean, having a wonderful cup of coffee, looking at the garden that we maintain and, and prune and all these wonderful flowers. We're sitting there this morning saying, okay, we smell that flower, but which one is it? It was the <laughs> jasmine right behind us. It, it, we had watered it. Uh, and it's already blooming. Uh, again, kudos go out to Maria and Marina for taking care of our babies while we were gone. We cleaned it all up. And, you know, it's just wonderful to be able to start the day that way and then come in here on my multiple screen setup and just crush business. And then at the end of the day, be able to catch a, a wonderful sunset, have the boats going by. I think I've sent you a few pictures of videos mm -hmm. of what our front yard looks like at sunset. And then just being able to safely go out for a walk at night, uh, wonderful weather. And yeah, it's been great. Yeah, okay. We worked our butts off. We got here, but I'm not dead yet. Amen. There are still deals out there. Uh, I've got family members, investors, grandchildren, and I just want to do this again. I want to I ring that bell again. Uh, you know which Super Bowl is the hardest to win? The second one. Ah. Because the first one, you work really hard to get there, and then you think, okay, I have arrived. I don't have to work as hard anymore. And you've got that arrival syndrome. And um, the coach of the 49ers, uh, I think he won like seven or nine different Super Bowls, and uh, they had hit that complacency level where they had to try even harder to keep the pressure on themselves because yeah, we knew we already did this. So it kind of softens up the game. Mm -hmm. uh, the Patriots were famous for this, right? They <laughs> always assume the role of an underdog. You know, it's like everybody hates us. Nobody wants us to win. And yep. we're going to go in there and prove everybody wrong. Boston sports, man. Same thing with the Bruins too. You know, like we a couple, uh, I think it was like last week. It was a game where they were like down three and they ended up coming back and I believe it was OT and um and winning it. We we love that stuff over here, man. We absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just apply that same tenacity, audacity to your business. I mean, yeah. dare 
to challenge yourself that high, dare to put yourself at that level where you get nosebleeds because the height is so higher than you can imagine you've ever been. But uh, take that risk, take that chance and shoot for it, right? Love it. Um, yeah, it's 100 episodes, man. That's that's an accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of your podcasts here, uh, an hour, 45 minutes, uh, 46 minutes. I mean, just the time and preparation and the wealth of knowledge that you have now that you can offer people to help other people get on your shoulders for some of the giants in the industry that you've interviewed and the value that you're going to add to so many lives. And you're not stopping at a hundred. No, sir. You're going to keep going. No way. <laughs> Your second sign on the wall there, hustle until you no longer have to introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm Kyle, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. Oh, it, it means a lot, Brian. And so to um to stem back to something you said a minute ago about, you know, like just shooting as high as you possibly can. So there's something that has been like really present in my mind for the past, I believe it's been a month. And basically like, so I went to, um, so Nick Allerud and, and Gordon Thornton, they, uh, I don't know if you know about the, the ignition, um, REI ignition. It's like a Facebook group, like mastermind type of thing. Yes. But yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a part of their group. Absolutely. Love it guys. Love you guys. Um, and they hosted a three day event. Um, in Burlington, you know, just like, uh, learn about life, learn about real estate, like, you know, have like lots of awesome stuff going on. And it was absolutely life-changing for many different reasons, Brian. But the, the point that I'm going to make is literally like, it's not, this is something that's like really, really been like setting deep in my soul, man. Like recently is it's not necessarily the actual like tactical real estate stuff that is the most difficult. It's more your mind in believing that you can actually go and, and do this stuff and like the self-limiting beliefs and like just push and push and push and like just literally go out, you know, generate the opportunities and just build the parachute on the way down, you know? And like, obviously, you know, like do due diligence and, and all that fun stuff. Don't get me wrong. But like it's it's our it's our mind that's one of the biggest challenges out there and it's sure. it's something that's like really been like coming becoming apparent and i went to um a two-day event with tom caffarella that he was putting on last week and um same type of thing man literally like they were talking about you know there was a guy on Tom's team that found an 88 unit deal in Nashua, New Hampshire off of Craigslist. And like, he brought it to the team and like, they brought him on as a GP and like literally, you know, like the, like no money out of pocket. And like, like they're just, I, I just love the concept so much. Right. Of like literally just go out, find the opportunities and just do it. Like, don't let your mind stop you. Like just run and, and see, like how high you can take it and just keep freaking going. And it's, it's something that, um, 
it's I've heard it a decent amount, but it never really sank in until literally like the past month in a, a couple different ways. And I literally like I'm so thankful for like all of that stuff. And like I can actually I can feel my mind changing right now. And it's yeah crazy, you know, and me and um me and uh a partner, we're kind of working together because we're starting to look for six to 20 unit deals from Lowell to Lemonster. Now I'm in the process of taking out a HELOC right now. You know, we're just kind of like, you know, trying to put stuff together. We definitely need to raise the money and I'm, you know, I'm not like whatever, but the point being like, we don't know necessarily where the majority of the money is coming from yet, but we just need to find the deal, put the team together and just, just make it work <laughs> you know and literally like i'm like swimming into open water like just from hearing you know all this absolutely wonderful advice you know from from all these different guys over the past couple of weeks and literally brian like we sent out our first campaign two days ago and we got a lead yesterday for a 13 unit building in a nearby town now it wasn't a very, very hot lead. And I mean, it's, we, we went back and forth with the seller a couple of times, you know, and like, he was afraid of like the capital gains and um, you know, cause he's had the building for so long and there were multiple things that were going through my head. Right. I'm like, Oh, what about like seller financing or a 1031 or like, like all these different things going on. Right. Like, how do we make this happen? And I went back to the, um, the REI ignition group. And I was like, literally like, I need to ask like, the best people out there. And this, this is another tip, you know, for, for the listeners, literally like the teams to, to your points earlier, Brian, the teams that you surround yourself, like literally can put you in places that you couldn't even imagine. Right. And like, literally like the first question I asked, like, as soon as I, I got this thing back from the seller, I went right to the group and there was a couple of people in there that said like multiple different things that I could try and offer. And literally, like, I went right back to the seller and, like, you know, was telling him about it. And he was saying, he's like, oh, you know, like, I think my, uh, I've been kind of grooming my son, you know, he's probably going to take over the property and, and stuff like that, you know, but thank you for your interest. And I was asking them, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, totally get it. Totally understand. I'm like, how soon do I follow up? <laughs> you know, but it just like the point being, Brian, like the, the self-limiting belief that I had before these events was like oh yeah you know like six to ten units for the next one 110 percent like i don't really i never really wanted to buy another two to four unit but you know i don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash to put down and like how am i going to do this partnership thing and like you know I, I was always going down this rabbit hole until i started to hear this very very actionable advice of literally that go out find the opportunities, figure it out as you go. And literally like, I'm just in that like action, like just freaking take action and go, you know? And like, yeah, I mean, obviously, but it just, I don't know. It, it was just kind of like a proof of concept. And like, I was, I was freaking out with, um, you know, my buddy Chris about it. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know, like this was just the first time. And we literally just talked to a seller of a 13 unit, which for us, like trying to do this type of thing is like brand new, you know what I mean? And it's crazy. Like it's literally, it's the mind, Brian. And like, it's, that's like been something that has been a huge, huge focus for me. 
is literally like just just go out and do it you know and like obviously like i said you know like you never want to cut out due diligence like you know cut corners like you always want to do your homework but like limit like just go out and take action and like just learn as you go and don't you know spend the whole time in analysis paralysis and what if this happens what if this doesn't just go out and freaking do it and like damn <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah uh mindset that's it totally. that's that's the game and i've been doing this so long that i don't even think about my mindset anymore i'm constantly solving problems on the fly yeah um like your whole scenario that you just explained uh -huh. another solution for you yeah so try this one on for size I heard you say the capital gains was an issue for this guy. Mm -hmm. So just follow this rabbit hole here. Yes. He owns the property. Mm -hmm. He puts it into a trust. Somebody makes payments to the trust, like a mortgage, to take over the property. He does not have to take distributions from the trust, which will trigger a capital gains. But the trust can invest in whatever he wants. Incredibly interesting. And it's it's absolutely nuts, man. You know, and literally it's, like it's so sorry. simple. Yeah. And literally, like, I would have no idea if it wasn't for you know, like the, the team and like, you know, like building the network and, and guys literally like, like the sky is the limit for like literally anything you want to do. And like, it, it sounds corny, but like, it's so freaking true. <laughs> you know, like if you have some, like something that you're struggling with, like there's most likely somebody out there who has, you know, done this before and like, you know, ran the race, got the t-shirt, the whole nine yards. Like if you guys are able to literally like just help each other out, like you can take on the world, you know, and like literally just go out, talk to people, go to events, real estate events. They're free. Like most of the time they're free and literally just like go out and, and learn and, and create meaningful relationships and, and care. And like, literally just be a person, you know, like everybody's like working on this stuff together and like, everybody wants to help each other and just, just go out and do it. You know, you, you never know. We're trying to change our futures here. Like, you know, like it's totally possible. So I've been doing this over 20 years and that whole trust scenario thing that I just explained to you was something I only learned about a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Cause we were looking at, you know, if, if it's a large, large property, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars on that capital gain. Yeah, no, that's that'll slow somebody down if not stop the deal. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're able to solve their problem, okay, we can bypass your capital gains and you can access the money through an entity that you control to invest in whatever you want. You could go buy Bitcoin, I don't care. Because yeah. they control the asset. So they still hold the real estate in a different entity, one of those Russian dolls, someone else is paying for the entity. They're getting that money that they can utilize, but never take it as a distribution. So
so there's no capital gains. Do you think that might be able to solve the problem of getting someone over the fence for a 100%. seller finance? And it's not even a seller finance because now the property is in a trust, which has its own, you know, um, if, if you do the trust right, then no one sees who the trustee is. And I'm not even going to get into that because <laughs> I've paid lawyers tens of thousands of dollars for that answer, but yes. we're going to keep that <laughs> under wraps. <laughs> So yeah, um, it's it's solving problems, you know, whether it's putting that tenant in a hotel for the night or trying to get that seller finance deal where the guy's not have to be, not going to have to pay a quarter of a million dollars in capital gains tax. And, you know, you see behind me all these books. Um, I implore, implore, implore. Uh, if you don't like to read, get the audio book, but keep feeding yourself ideas, keep feeding yourself knowledge. Uh, that whole concept that I just touched on, uh, we were listening to an audio book. My wife and I were traveling a lot. So it's like, hey, listen to this. We had to drive out to New York. So it was a three hour trip back and forth. Listen to this audio book. We were just tearing it apart with all the different ideas that were in there. Um, the last three books I read this year were The Power of Just One More, which is phenomenal. Um, the Compound Effect by Dar uh, Darren Hardy. Um, goodness, Ed. Ed Milet. My Ed Milet was The Power of One More. Um, Darren Hardy was the compound effect. And then I read one like out of left field, which was Think Again by Adam Grant. Hmm. And that was very interesting. Not a real estate book. He's a psychologist. So his whole thing was like, just look at the problem, right? And he used all kinds of real life examples of NASA and the space program and what they assumed was okay, and then space shuttles blew up. So it, it forced them to rethink how they did things. Uh, different firefighters who, you know, you would never think it would be intuitive to drop all your tools and start a fire to save your life in the middle of a fire. But there's all these different examples in the book of like, okay, well, this is how we would normally approach this, but what if? Yeah, And from here, you know, what's the end result? Can you reverse engineer that, right? Like, I don't want to burn to death. So what do I need to do in my current situation to keep myself from being a curly fry? Yeah. Right? And, you know, real estate is a lot easier than dealing with a life or death situation. Hopefully. But they, they, <laughs> It's just ways to look at it as a transaction engineer, as a problem solver. And, you know, it's adding value from the moment you wake up. And, you know, I'm wired this way. I drive my wife insane because I'm always thinking, what if? And, uh, okay, we do pretty good, but what could be better? What could we do better? And we have this running joke um, when way, way back, Back when Bel Air wanted to scale and manage for other people because we used to only manage our portfolio. 
I, I tease her about this all the time. She likes to walk in the water in the beach. And for me to have this conversation with her, I had to get in the water walking beside her because I couldn't get her to break out of her routine. So I had to break out of my routine and meet her where she was and have the hard conversation saying, look, we need a type of software that will do X, Y, Z. She's like, no, we don't. It's like, no, let, let's just try it. And we tried it and, you know, that was life-changing for us. And now it reassured and reaffirmed in me that, okay, there's going to be those moments where we look at how things are run and say, okay, fine, let's put that on the shelf. And if we had to rebuild it from start, what if? And if we did this and if we did that. And, you know, sometimes you'll come full circle and be maybe five degrees off from where you were. But that five degree trajectory over time is phenomenal, phenomenal. It's, it's the difference of reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and actually understanding the difference between an asset and a liability as to working hard at your job nine to five for your entire life, thinking your primary home is your biggest asset. Exactly. You know exactly what I'm saying because I know you've read the book. <laughs> Many a time. <laughs> and if anyone's seen this podcast for the first time and don't know what I'm talking about, go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. I was telling um I was telling somebody a couple nights ago. I, I went out to um I went out to dinner with uh with this investor and we were talking about, you know, how like Rich Dad, Poor Dad like kind of got like most of us going, generally speaking. I'm definitely, uh, definitely in that crowd. And I was telling him, I'm like, man, I'm like, I paid $8 for Rich Dad, Poor Dad on Amazon. That's probably yeah. going to be the highest returning, like, activity that I will ever do, because that changed everything. Like that yeah. changed my entire life and hopefully generations from one $8 book on the internet. Like after you read that one, you have to read Cash Flow Quadrant. So it's funny you say that because I've I've owned Cashflow Quadrant for a while. I, I have like four or five books that I've bought, you know, for a while, and I haven't read them yet. And that's one of them. And I I actually the guy I was with a couple nights ago, we were talking about that one too. He's like, Yeah, dude, you gotta read that one too. I'm like, I've never read it. I'm like, I have it. I have it in my possession. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> yeah. So the employee, the self-employed, the business owner, the entrepreneur. Yeah. The employee makes the least amount of money and pays the most amount of taxes. And then throughout that scale, all the way to the entrepreneur who makes the most amount of money and pays the least amount of taxes. So it's crazy yeah. stuff. And uh, <laughs> Leanne Young. I think that's me. Oh my God, I'm getting a call. <laughs> Sorry about this. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, I gotta go. I'm on a podcast right now. So they fix the internet. Excellent. Thanks, Frankie. Bye-bye. <laughs> no more pelicans. No more pelicans. Woo! <laughs> I fixed the internet on the island. Great. Hey, I'm so sorry to your uh listeners that that just happened. It's quite okay, my friend. <laughs> that phone never rings here on the island, so when it rings, <laughs> I gotta answer it.
That's but awesome. um, yeah, th- I, I want to get back on track there. The uh, Lian Vyong even mentioned cash flow quadrant in her interview. Yeah, and it's so important to just know the difference of those things, and you compound that with Michael Gerber's the E Myth, yes. and uh, the um, the franchise prototype. And looking at your business as a business plan, these are so important, so important to do. Um, it goes right back to being intentional about what you're doing and uh, just knowing where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, you'll absolutely get there. <laughs> you'll have no <laughs> idea where you are. <laughs> but if you know where you're going and you're targeted and intentional and focused, then there is no other option. You're burning the boats behind you. I love it. The first time I heard that analogy too, I, I forget if that one was in the EMF or I forget what book it was, man. But um, like they were actually telling the story of like, you know, some like battle in Greece or something like that. And like, you know, like they were storming the island and they like, you know, burn the boats behind them. And like, it was, you know, kind of told as like an actual story. I forget what book it was, but it the first time. I think it, it was... was. Uh, by napoleon hill pretty sure that was the reference it probably was yeah i have to read that one again it's it's actually been a decent amount of time since i've read that one right there next to the power of one more yes let's see Uh, right there this one (laughs) i haven't read um the compounds effect or the power of one more i've heard of the compound effect i've never read it but definitely added to the list it just, it, it's establishing those habits yep. that will change the trajectory of where you turn out over time. A really good example in there, uh, these two guys, one wanted to lose weight and have a healthier life. One wanted to watch the cooking network. So one guy cooks pastries all the time, puts on 20 pounds, doesn't have the best relationship with his wife because he gets depressed, doesn't do so well in his job where the other guy Decides he's going to read a book or keep reading books, gets smarter, gets a raise, takes better health, uh, care of his health. So one puts on 30 pounds and one takes off 30 pounds. Well, that's a difference of 60 pounds. Ah. And trajectory wise, one guy's going down the tube and the other one's going up the hill. And it's getting easier for the one going up the hill because he's changed his patterns it's got momentum that that compound effect because i do that right and you take that and put it together with ed my the power of one more which was an extremely powerful book for me i i loved reading that book you know i'd love to reread it but i got like 140 other behind me that are beckoning <laughs> me to turn their pages yeah <laughs> So yeah, those the, I think those are the last three books I read. Uh, the one that I'm reading right now is Your Next Five Moves. Um, that's a business book, and it just talks about like uh, business as a chess game, and thinking about uh, like all chess players, they'll think about each piece on the board, five moves on this piece, five moves on that piece, and what could be the outcome. So again, it's, it boils down to being intentional. It boils down to having a habit. It boils down to changing the way you do things and how you see the game. I love so. it, man. That's awesome. So I remember asking you on the episodes 
many, many a day ago, many, many a month ago. <laughs> but if you had to pick one book, which is probably going to be very difficult with that huge collection behind you that is gorgeous. If you had to pick one business, real estate, or entrepreneurial, any, any book at all, any book at all, that was your favorite, or maybe had the most impact on you, which one is it? You can answer that however you would like, and multiple is good too, even though I just said one. <laughs> if I had to say the one book that was the big changer for me, it would be Michael Gerber, The E-Myth Demystified. Love it. Absolutely love it. After reading that book, I told my wife we were going to start to manage for other people. And she says, well, what would that look like? And I says, okay. And for the next three months, every day, I went to the Lemonster Barnes and Noble, which was um, a Starbucks. Yep. And I sat in there for the next three months writing out a business plan, 240 pages later, 247 pages later. Um, I had the franchise prototype for Bel Air Property Management, which now if I were to sell it off of the EBITDA, maybe 10 million. Hell. And it was because I looked at it as a franchise. Like um, Robert Kiyosaki in uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad says all the time, he's confronted by these uh, venture capitalists and uh, business people who say, well, I can build a, I, 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 can, I can cook a better hamburger than McDonald's. So I'll be successful. But that's not what McDonald's is. Yep. McDonald's is their operational standards like i can go to mcdonald's in albany la or massachusetts and it's going to be that same patty with one and a half pickles a squirt of mustard ketchup a, 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 a half a slice of cheese <laughs> yeah, exactly. gonna be, <laughs> but it's always going to be exactly the same yep the exact same experience and that so, um to your point, Brian, not to interrupt you, but that um, the documentary, uh, the founder with Ray Kroc and um, yeah. yeah, that that one I like to watch that one once in a while. And yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. The the E Myth was a very instrumental book for my mindset, and that was the first time that the concept of like systems and standard operating procedures were, you know, kind of born in my head and after reading it like it was all over man i'm like oh my god i love this stuff <laughs> like fall in love with the systems and damn that that was such a hard question to answer mm -hmm. because everyone who's viewing this podcast is at a different at a different spot in their race in the game whether you're starting or whether you've already been around the lap two or three times you know, it's hard to pick one book that would apply to everyone where they are yep. in their portion of the game or the race they're in. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting out, you definitely have to look at things as creating that system. I don't care if you're wholesaling properties or doing mailing campaigns, you know, a shotgun approach 
aiming at the side of the barn, you're going to hit the barn, but you're not going to have consistent results. Yep. If you boil it down to baking a cake in, in that book, it's all about pies, literally all mm -hmm. about pies and being able to create the system. So she could walk away from that business and have the person she hired create the same experience that she would have created, which is the same thing we had to do in Bel Air. My team now, I mean, the, the, it was such an epiphany the last time we went back to Massachusetts. We've got four workstations, right, in, in the um, Massachusetts office. And I walked in and everyone was at a workstation and I had the epiphany, they don't need me here. They all know what they're doing. They've got their SOPs. They're running down their lane. If I were to walk to the computer, I would only be interfering with their game that they were running. And they were all running their game. And That's beautiful. Yeah, I went back out to the car. It was a little tearful moment for myself. <laughs> yeah. But I looked at my wife and said, they don't need me anymore. I don't, I don't need to be here. I'm here as a consultant pretty much for my business, which frees me up to operate other businesses. We've got, oh my goodness, we've got a Home Angel Foundation, which works with orphans after 18 because they're often shown the door with no opportunity. So that's something uh, near and dear to our team that we wanna get up and running. BHB group has always been around since uh, 2003. So yeah, 20, 20 years on BHB, but th that's the company you never hear about yeah. because that's the holding company and you should never hear about it. <laughs> Bel Air is the company that's out there, which should be seen. That's where we get the Google reviews. And then we have that ghost company. I think I uh, made mention of that. Mm -hmm. on the last podcast that's the company that owns nothing and does nothing but holds all the equity which actually funds the deals for bhb group as a silent partner so it, it's it's a wonderful game and you know if if you need a piece on the game that you don't have you just create that piece because at the end of the day what do i do i solve problems that's it. That that's if if I had to have a job title, it'd be problem solver. I love it. That's awesome, man. Absolutely. So if I had to pick a second book, um, <laughs> um, let's see. For where I am now, it would be Gene Trowbridge. It's a whole new business. Uh, that book, I believe, is 300 bucks. I've got three of those. Solid. One, <laughs> yeah, one of them is actually signed by the author to Big Kahuna. Um, Gene is a syndication lawyer and <laughs> very contrary in advice he'd ever given me. It's like, Brian, if you don't need to syndicate a deal, don't do it. <laughs> But he's a syndication attorney. So if I have got an attorney telling me not to do what he specializes in, then that's the guy I'm going to go to if I ever have to do it. So 
Exactly. A hundred percent, man. Always yeah, building that team. <laughs> so what, what's your number one business or real estate related book? Here you are. It's a hundred. You're at your centennial. You get to add to the show. <laughs> oh, um, the script has only been flipped on me a couple times in the past couple in the past hundred episodes. Nick was one of them too. I, I'm pretty sure he flipped the script on me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I wasn't ready for this." <laughs> good, good, good job on Nick. He got good me going. good. <laughs> um, man, honestly, because he can see your soul. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say. So I read one recently that that was really good. It was the Four Agreements. By I don't uh, have that on my list. Tell me about it. I forget who it was, man. I uh, it's a literally like a really small book, like the size of the EMF um, type of length, like really really small. And basically, it it talks about principles for living like a really, um, I guess like balanced and and enjoyable and like like relaxed i guess type of lifestyle and it's it's pretty much just like four key principles um and yeah i, I loved it man so like one of them was um oh i forget exactly what the phrasing was um just oh, kill me hold on actually i have it right here oh good 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 on you <laughs> I have it written down in my uh, my affirmations book here. So the four agreements, the first, the first bullet or the first principle is to be impeccable with your word and always spread love and positivity. And basically, they refer to like like negative energy and like talking crap and stuff like that as uh, like black magic spells. And it says that like you know like you can't spread black black magic spells because like it actually looks you know worse it actually hurts you more than it hurts other people and like pretty much just always be impeccable and be spreading positivity and like just just giving and loving and like i don't know i love it the next one is to not take anything personally and this one has been really interesting for me man and in in a couple different contexts and a couple different areas of my life um like basically around this concept of taking things personally, like it dug deep in the book about every single one of us on this planet, like has the right to have our own vision of how we see the world. And just because like maybe you and the guy next to you see the world in completely different ways. And like, like you clash, like that's like, it, it technically doesn't really make any sense because like, that's just, you're in kind of like two different lanes. And like, like, even if like you argue with each other of like something's great or it sucks or like whatever it is, like, it's just, it's just two different viewpoints. Like, it's not actually like, I, I can't, I'm like totally butchering it. I'm sorry, but it's, it's basically like everybody is kind of, you know, has the right to like have their own opinion kind of. And like, if you don't agree with the guy next to you, like, that's totally cool like you guys just kind of do your thing like separate ways like you can still be buddies and, and boys and everything like you don't have to fight over it because you don't agree over something you know and you like get to, you get to choose like what you you get to choose what you care about exactly 100 percent. 
Um, the next one is to not make assumptions and like always, you know, like if you're like questioning something like, or if you're like, not sure, like you think something's a certain way, but like, it might be, it might not be, you're most likely better off to ask a, a couple more questions and like, make sure like you get it right and everything instead of like, just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, I assume. And that one it's, I've tried to implement that one as, as best as I can. I feel like it's, it's a bit more difficult because a lot of people make assumptions about things and like certain contexts and, and whatever, but, um, and then the last one is to always do your best. And it's, it's basically yeah. like just this book about these four, four agreements that if you can make these with yourself, like, you know, if other people are bringing negative energy to the table or whatever it might be, like, if you're able to not take it personally, like you guys are just going to like, you can coincide together and like, everything's cool, even though you see things in like drastically different ways. Um, you know, like if you're always doing your best, like, even if, you know, things kind of crap out on you, like, you know what, like you gave it your best shot, you know, and it, it is what it is. You can only do what you can do. Um, and yeah, you know, like staying impeccable with your word and I don't know, it's, it, it wasn't the biggest impact on me but it was a very large impact on me and it's it was like so simple you know and, and that's something that I've kind of seen Brian is some of these books and like some of these conversations with people that you have like at least for me it seemed like the stuff that might hit the most and like really like dig deep into your soul and like your mind and everything is stuff that sounds so simple when like you're having that conversation literally like you know, take care of people, love people, period, you know, <laughs> and like, like, like build like really cool, like, you know, really big things and everything. Like if you like genuinely appreciate the other person that you're working with or clients or, or whatever it might be, like all the time, things are going to be hunky dory, you know, and obviously, you know, there's a, a lot more to it than that. But like, generally speaking, you know, and literally like even the mindset stuff like you know what like you want to go you know buy a first two to four unit off the market or whatever it is all right like go send mail like like go do it like you can do it like go nuts you know or like you want to you know syndicate that first deal all right like you know what are the steps you need to take to go do that like who are the people you need to bring together like like don't let your mind stop you just go out and do it and like, it sounds so simple, but like, it's, it's almost us that, that complicates these, these things as humans. Right. And it's like, I've been learning a lot about like the minds and it's, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah. Henry Ford was quoted as saying, if you don't, or, or if, how does he say it? If you believe you can't do something, you're right. Yeah. And if you believe you can do something, you're right. It's so true. <laughs> it, it comes back to mindset. Yep. hundred percent. But Brian, as always. So here we are. I think that we're at a, we're an hour and 45 minutes in here. So I think I'm going to be another two episodes at least. Uh, <laughs> This one, it's it's probably gonna have to be one because I, I might have recorded 101 and 102 already. So guys, you're gonna get a nice action-packed tufa in, in this one. It's gonna be awesome. Well, you can always put me off to like 105 or something like that. 
No. You know, I saved the spot a hundred for you, my friend. Just for you. <laughs> uh, I, I do appreciate that more than you know. Um, but, so uh, how can we wrap this up? Any last words of wisdom? I mean, again, congratulations on a centennial of episodes here. Uh, look forward to just seeing what's coming out of the box with you. Um, so what are the next steps for Kyle? Where, where, where You had mentioned uh, your partnership with these deals, the home equity. Mm -hmm. So where, where are you going? Where, where's your laser focused vision bringing you? Yes, sir. So in the, the very, very short term, um, the three family in Lamonster, I, I got it with FHA. So I only had to be there for a year. And my year is coming up in a month. So nice. I ran some numbers and I ran some numbers in two different situations. One as me living for free and like, you know, still cash flowing a bit. And well, actually, yeah, uh, covers pretty much just PITI, but whatever. You know, like the debts, debt service is covered. Or I ran it in another situation on if I moved back in with my parents and got that third unit rented now that I'm allowed to. And I made a very quick decision once I saw, you know, the returns on something like that. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm currently uh, in the process of going through a HELOC to hopefully have something liquid in the next couple of weeks um, to be able to jump on a, a bigger deal if something comes up. And um, yeah, you know, just kind of finishing up stabilizing the unit that I'm in now, going to be moving home. And then using the most, if not all of the return in cash flow from this property for marketing and, you know, VAs and stuff like that to start looking for more opportunities and, and continuing to, to push, um, to push the limits, my friend. I, I got to give you props too. Um, I, I owe you a huge, huge thank you. Um, I think we did a pints in property in Worcester from yep. Aruba after that call we were talking about your VA and um, I went out for a walk after that and I was just chewing on what you said about the time difference and everything and um, it helped me to solve another problem we had here in our business mm -hmm. and now we've got Maria and Marina as virtual assistants right here on the island they speak Dutch um, English Spanish Papimento um, so yeah, it just worked out really well. And they're in the same time zone and um, really, really smart kids. So yeah, thank you. You, you uh, pushed me in a direction I didn't know was available. So Aww. thanks. Thank you so much, Brian. Holy crap, man. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Well, you never know. You know? Exactly. The conversation you have, you, you never know what you're going to walk away with, so. Yeah, totally I, right. I hope that this has been entertaining. I hope it's been fun. A blast, um, always. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I look forward to the next one. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to forecast out too far, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to come back on after we've uh, achieved some of the other goals and maybe talk about some of the challenges that we had to get over to get there. I think I that might it. be valuable. That sounds fantastic, man. You let me know. Anytime. <laughs> so Brian, where on um 
we're on social media on you know like your website anything everything and and anything about you guys i will link it down below sure so uh we just launched it's not completely done yet but we've revised bhbgroup.com we've had that website oh goodness since 2001 2013 something like that uh it's got some of our uh, mentors on there. Uh, you'll see me with some pretty recognizable celebrities Ooh. of people who've mentored us and coached us along the way. Uh, AlwaysBelair.co. That's another. That's another business. Home Angel Foundation is something near and dear to our heart, but uh, was, that's still in flux. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to that to develop programs for orphans when they do hit 18. But um, some of that is to bring them under mentorship and show them some of the things that we've done so maybe they can create wealth for themselves. And the goal is to have them work together as a team because they already have a bind, a bond there. And um, it, it's going to be challenging because a lot of these kids don't feel of and don't have that mentor. So we want to be able to do that. And for us to do that, we have to get the other businesses where we are hands-off so we can be more hands-on. So bhbgroup.com, homeangelfoundation.org, and uh, belair.co. Then we're at Bel Air Property on Instagram. We're on Facebook with BHB and Bel Air Property. And we collect rent with Venmo and Cash App. We've got a whole bunch of digital entities there as well. So, yeah. Beautiful, my friend. Thank you so, so much for, for everything, Brian. Seriously. it's It's been... Uh, um they've been incredibly blessed you know to kind of um you know be in your your presence and and have our conversations and and learn the things that that i have from you and yeah you know i'm, I'm really excited to see what the future brings we are also blessed to be on this podcast to share what we have with your platform and your listeners and uh if there's anything that we've been able to help solve a problem for them, that's wonderful. And uh, I just commend you on the audacity to get to 100 episodes and may you hit 1,000. Oh, so, thank you so much. <laughs> you didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm also going to sign us out. So Ladies and gentlemen, Zoomers in the room, this is Brian Luce here from BHB Group, here with Kyle Curtin, the man with the plan behind the curtain at Creating Wealth Podcast, signing off episode 100. Thank you, and have a great investment day. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth Podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. 
That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram. 